Have you been considering taking your horse or Western photography passion to the next level? Hi, it's Kara with Cowgirls with Cameras, and I want to tell you about our Cottonwood Ranch photography experience in August. This experience is a workshop, portfolio builder, business clinic, and gathering set in the majestic scenery of the Nevada mountains. This event is learning intensive and full of shooting opportunities that feature ranch work, western horses, cowboys, cowgirls, horses, and dogs. You'll walk away feeling more confident in your camera, editing, and business skills, shoot a few thousand images, and gain new friends in the process. Our events are always focused on collaboration over competition, and our three instructors, myself, Kim Beer, and Phyllis Burchette, are all deeply passionate about seeing you reach your photography goals. To learn more about this event and other photography adventures we have coming up, head over to cowgirlswithcameras.com. Welcome to the Business Animal Podcast. Saddle up for a gallop to the top of the animal industry, where you'll learn how to tame your wild business beast with tips, techniques, and tools that will take overwhelm to obedience school and have you wagging your tail with joy. And now your hosts, Kim Beer and Kara Taylor Swift. Hey there, business animals. It's Kim with Be More Business. And Kara with Fast Horse Photography. And I have a cold. I'm so sorry, everyone. My voice sounds extra low today. It usually is somewhat low, but today it's extra low. So I'm just going to apologize in advance for that. Hi, Kim. Hi, Kara. We are the walking wounded today, aren't we? Yes, we are. You with your hand wrap. You've got a cold and a cough. And I am minus my ring finger and my pinky finger had to go to kind of jail with it because I messed up my ring finger falling on my face uh, while I was hiking this weekend. And I also kind of screwed up my shoulder and my right knee and my neck, but my finger got the brunt oh my of gosh. it. So yeah, your finger looks terrible. It does. It's very, very bruised. You know what? But we're here. We are we here are. for episode 119. <laughs> we're here. Gosh darn it. We're showing up. And today we're going to be talking about motivating clients to buy. So if we can be motivated as uh, we both are Kara coughing her head off and me with a really jacked up finger, if we can show up to record a podcast, your customers can show up to buy stuff for you. And also (laughs) you can help motivate them a little bit better. Get that motivation up. Be their cheerleader so they will spend some money with you. So we have three great ways for you to be able to do that, or three suggestions that you can take to get that moving forward. Number one, sell the solution. Big three. Number two, creating a sense of urgency or scarity. I love that word. It always makes me feel like I'm really smart when I say the word scarity. Hold on, hold on. I pronounce that scarcity. Scarcity? See, I say scarity. Scarity. Oh, boy. I don't know. Oh, boy. Listeners are going to have to let us know who's correct. Oh, goodness. I don't know who's right. Oh, my goodness. We're going to have to get on Google (laughs) later. But there's time for that down the road. Urgency. Create a sense of urgency. There we go. There you go. So our number one big three for this episode is to sell the solution. How do you feel about that, Kara? Selling the solution. I know for me, I've wrote this little book of big sales moves, and it's a big Uh thing that I talk about in here about selling the value of what you have to offer. But what do you think about that? 
Well, that's the thing I think with this whole episode, you know, we're working on motivating clients to buy, right? And that can be one of the trickiest trickiest parts. Like we're, we're small business owners. We love to talk about our product. We'd love to put our stuff out there, our services, get all of that out there to our clients. But that final step where they click the buy button or they make the appointment, they schedule the appointment, they pay their deposit. That's the tricky part, right? So that's what we're talking about today. So for me, selling the solution, I mean, we've talked about this piece on episodes of some of our other episodes about how important it is to work with your clients, listen to them really well, listen to what they're telling you about their pain points, about why they contacted you in the first place or why they reached out, and then really showing them how your product or service can help address that pain point. So you are selling the solution to them. You're selling the solution to whatever their needs are. For me, that would be, I've got a parent that has a senior, for example, and she needs to get senior portraits and, you know, helping her understand how I can fit that need. And then taking it one step further and offering it as a personalized approach. So for me, that might be talking to them about how their family, their daughter would benefit from the product or service that we're discussing. So yeah, I think selling the solution is a perfect number one of our big three for motivating clients to buy. I've got some other things I want to add to that, but I know you want to jump in here. Absolutely. Well, this is a big thing for me because I feel like particularly women, and I know that there's a lot of women that listen to this podcast, the old way of selling with a pitch is harder for us. We don't like to be, women in general do not like to be pushy. We want to sell in a really conversational way. And we really want to help people solve their problems. I mean, honestly, if you think that's down to our cultural motivation as to who we are, women in our culture at the heart of us, we are problem solvers. And if you think about how we're raised, that is a big part of how we show up. And when you go in to sell points on something and you give a pitch, it's really, really hard for us to feel natural doing that. And your customers are going to feel that on the other end and not feel as motivated to buy if you're trying to do things in a way that doesn't feel natural to you. So for me, when it comes to motivating people to buy something and I'm selling a solution, so I'm focused on the solution part of it, what I really would want ideally is for that customer to provide that solution for themselves. In other words, for me to kind of lead or facilitate their process into determining that they need to buy whatever it is that I'm offering because it is the perfect solution for them and they've convinced themselves of that. And so I think the best salespeople, and I talk about this in my book too, I think the best salespeople get really, really good at asking questions that get people to be in conversation and in contact with how this is showing up in their own lives and where what you're offering, where you can step into the conversation is, oh, I see you're experiencing that problem. Here's how what I have to offer is providing a solution. So when I'm talking about this particular point, that's definitely what I'm pointing out to them is here, tell me about your problem. How is it showing up in your life? What is the impact of that? And let me tell you how what I have to offer is a solution for that. 
Yeah, absolutely. I love that. The way that I feel like I really use the sell the solution is I really like to highlight the benefits of what I'm trying to do. So I'll talk through those points. But then I also like to, if I have alternative options, I like to actually work with them hand in hand and go through some of the pros and cons of them and kind of educate them why the product and service that I think is best for them is the best for them. And so to me, that kind of helps because you're establishing that relationship, right? So you're guiding them through that process. You know, you're building the relationship, you're showing them that there are options out there. And then you're standing beside one of them and saying, this is the one that's the solution for you. You know, this is the one I stand behind, but these are some alternatives that might also work for you depending upon your unique needs. So I really try to come at it as a, you know, I'm not trying to be a, a salesy person. It's just not in my nature, like you said, but I do like to come at it from the perspective as I'm your helper. I'm going to guide you through this process. Let's talk about all of the options and put them out on the table. And as the expert on this subject matter, I'm going to suggest these are the best ones for you. And these are the reasons why. And that just comes back again once more to listening to what they're telling you and then guiding the conversation where it needs to go. Absolutely. And then also one final thing I want to say here before we move on Mm -hmm. to the next one, which is the scarcity scarcity part, is to make sure that when you're talking about the solution to a specific individual customer, like on your website, you have to be more general. In your languaging, you have to be more general. But one of the things that you can do in your in person is to make sure that you make that solution pertinent to exactly what that person is experiencing. And ask them questions like, if this problem was solved for you in this way, how would that impact your life? And please let them answer. Because honestly, Mm -hmm. they are their own best salespeople, right? They're your best salespeople, actually. So that convincing themselves is a way that they're more sure of the sale. They're more sure of what they're doing. And that makes it easier for you to motivate them to actually purchase something. Yeah. And the last little piece of that for me, and I don't know if you use social proof this way, but you know, I use social proof all over the place. I use it on my website. I use it on my social media. But one of the things that, one of the ways I like to use social proof when I'm selling the solution is if I've worked with clients with similar needs, similar problems, that's always a good point to bring that up. You know, recently I worked with someone that had this issue, which is very similar to yours. And this is how we fixed their solution. And they were really happy with that and talk about how that worked for them. And I think that's another way that you can use your social proof that you've been out there working so hard to gather. And this is a way you can use it in person when you're working with someone to help sell the solution. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I do use social proof like that. Case studies are really, really important Mm -hmm. in a lot of the work that I do to say this is what this person does. And I've been in business long enough. I can offer some really good case studies to show how my methodologies really help people. Number two in our list of the big three is to limit the time. So here's what happens to people. We really have decision paralysis as humans. (laughs) 
<laughs> Making decisions is not the strong suit of a lot of people. A lot of people struggle with this. Am I going to make the wrong decision? Is this a good decision for me to make? And if they can procrastinate it, they typically will. So yeah. this episode being titled Motivating Clients to Buy, one of the things that you can do to really facilitate them actually purchasing something is to create a sense of urgency around it. And there are some ways that you can do that. And Kara has a really good list here. But I want to talk a little bit about the psychology of this and how important it is before we get into some very specific ideas for you guys. The first thing is, is you cannot overuse this. You have to remember that this is a motivator that you're going to have to keep in your back pocket and only use on rare instances. And you definitely don't want to use it on a predictable schedule, my friends. Nothing is worse than training your customers to wait for Black Friday to get free shipping that you only offer on Black Friday, right? So yes, you may create more sales on Black Friday for a moment, but reality is, is you've trained those people to wait until the last minute yep. and you're banking on the fact that they're going to come back and do it. And that's a very simple example, but I see businesses do this all of the time. And consumers are not stupid. They recognize it, realize it, and play the game with you. So scarcity is really, really something that you have to be conscientious about, scarcity. I don't know how you say that. That's a curious <laughs> thing. Anyway, creating the sense of urgency is really, really important for you to utilize it, but you need to utilize it in a really smart way. And Kara has a list of things here that will help you be able to determine if this is good for you and ideas on how to make it work for your business. Yeah, I'm just going to add on to what you said. Some of the big things that I think of when I think about this limiting time, scarcity, and just all about creating that sense of urgency. If you can highlight your limited availability of a product or service, you can create a sense of urgency. And like Kim said, the psychology of it is, is that you can make your customers fear missing out and you can kind of push them towards making a purchase before that item runs out. And I will say for solopreneurs, if you're talking about your time as in a service that you provide and you've only got so much time in a day, you've only got so many spaces available, this is a very real thing. And I've seen solopreneurs that are either you know showing that they're unavailable or they're booking into the next year. So creating that sense of urgency around if you need me now or if you need me in the next two months or if you need me in the next six months, this is something you need to be acting on now. And some of that comes down to just educating them on what that process is like for you and making sure that they understand that if they need you, that they need to be booking with you or they need to be buying with you before the product or service is gone. The next piece of this kind of ties into what Kim was saying. You know, if you can create exclusive offers to a select group of customers, you can let them know that they're special to you. You can do this through email newsletters, loyalty programs. I've even seen people do it on social media. It's a great way to create opportunities for your loyal customers or even people that you think you'd like to work with without training them for like a flash sale situation just to sit around and wait for your, your annual sale to happen or for another sale to happen. There are so many companies that I have chosen to buy from that run promotions and they have trained me to wait until they run a promotion to purchase their service. And I don't think that's a position that any business owner wants to be in. 
The next thing that I was thinking about here was using technology, things like countdown timers and deadlines. And this is great if you can use them in the form of visual cues. For example, on your website, you have a timer running on a, you know, a limited edition product or a limited service that you can take advantage of this during this time only. I've seen these on social media too, and they look really cool and people can check on them and they update regularly. You can also use it in your marketing materials. So just keep that in mind. It's a great way to create that sense of urgency. When people can visually see a timer running out and that their time is running out, this can be a big thing. I've also seen this through emails. So people will send an email, for example, that might say, you have three days to take advantage of this opportunity. The next day you get an email, you know, you have two days and then they slow it down to, you've got, you know, two hours to take advantage when people feel that sense of urgency is time running out, I think we've all partaked in going out there and making a purchase because we feel the pressure of it. So the last thing I wanted to add here was about launching new products or services. And I thought this is a really cool option. If you're launching a product or service, you can actually go about the process of creating a waiting list. You can take deposits, you can allow pre-orders. And when you allow customers to reserve an item or a service before it actually becomes available, you can really create anticipation and that feeling of exclusivity that people love to have. So especially if you're promoting it as a pre-order or a limited availability option. So just keep that in mind. I think it's something that you can't do all the time, but it really works well if you're getting ready to launch something and you want to try to build excitement around it and go ahead and get an idea of how it's being pushed out into the community. What are people thinking about it? What do you think about that, Kim? I love all of those. And I love the psychology behind really inspiring people to make that purchase. I know pre-orders make them feel special. The exclusive offers make them feel special. The countdowns make you as the business feel special and the limited editions. You know, all of it is making someone feel special or feel like they're working with something that is special. And all of that really impacts us. And yes, I am definitely trainable if you run your specials on a certain occasions. <laughs> And I also will participate in purchasing things that have limited availability. That has spurred me to buy more than I uh, probably lots of things. So yes, all of those are really good ways that in your business, you can create a motivation for people to buy. So, so far we've talked about how to make it as the solution-based sale that really helps motivate people because they want to solve their problem. We've talked about the limited time that gets them out of decision paralysis. And the big three, number three is learn how to close your sale. So I teach sales. I've been doing sales workshops here recently on my book. And to be honest, this is the part that people have the biggest struggle with. They really, really have a lot of difficulty. And I'm going to point it back to women again. We sell a little differently. Actually, and it's women and anybody that doesn't want to be pushy. So I realize there's men out there that don't want to be pushy. So it's just really important to remember that closing is part of the sales process. The person on the other end of this may really need the help to make the decision because they don't know how to wander through this process with you, okay? 
the fact of the matter is that a lot of people on the consumer end of it don't want to be any pushier than you are to say, yes, I want to go ahead and buy it. Or they don't want to seem overly eager. I mean, there's just so much human emotion that plays into everything around sales. And it can be this dance that can get really uncomfortable. And just like in a dance, sometimes you got to walk over to your partner and ask them if they would like to dance. So the ways that I tell people to set that up in my book, a couple of little kind of ways that you can do this that I think are more effective is to make sure that you're giving a person an open-ended but very pointed place to make a decision. So what do I mean by open-ended? What I mean is not using questions that can be answered with a yes or a no. What I want is if they're going to turn me down, I want them to turn me down in a way that explains something to me. If they're going to say no to the sale, and by the way, a prerequisite to all selling, my friends, is that you have to learn how to be okay with the word no. Your business, your product, your service isn't right for everybody, and it's not always the right time. So people are going to say no to you, and it's okay. Bless and release them. Let them move on. But if you can get this part done in the close with extra information, it can be super beneficial to you to know whether that person is somebody you want to reach out to later or whether it's somebody that you just want to let go and go ahead and wander off if they say no, but also get them inspired to go ahead and say yes. And some of the ways that I like to do this are by saying, I have the perfect opportunity for you. And it makes them feel heard. And you can just say, I have the perfect opportunity for you and explain what you have, that you're selling that you feel would be the best fit for them. And then let them say no. <laughs> let them say yes. Let them say no. Another thing that you can do is this or that. You can say, I have two things that might be of interest to you. I feel that this would be the best solution for you in this situation. And I also have this other solution, avoid the word but, say, and I have this other solution, explain that to them, and then let them choose which one they would like. You can be as pointed as to say, which one would you think would fit your needs better? And then you have a place that you can go on to the more direct question of, let's go ahead and proceed. I'm a big proponent of when it comes to closing and to following the feel. And if I'm pretty sure that person is, it's a good fit and they're ready to go, I have no problem with being very succinct and saying, let's start the contract. Rather than saying, are you ready to start the contract? Let's start the contract. And then they can say no. Most of the time, they just nod their head and say yes. And that is another closing move that I like to use, which is assume the sale. So just assuming that you have the sale. I tell my artist clients all of the time when they do this, I said, one of the easiest ways for artists who sell are selling a physical piece of art is, would you like for me to hang that up in your home? Would you like me to deliver it to you? Or would you like to take it home today? And that gives the person an opportunity to choose, do they want it delivered to their home? Or are you going to carry it out to their car, right? It's not saying, do you want to buy this piece of art? It's just simply asking them, which would you prefer? 
would you like for me to wrap it up and you take it home today or would you like me to deliver it? And if you charge an extra delivery fee, then hey, all the more power to you. You can explain that to them as you move forward. Now, Kara has some really nice direct sale language here. And I would challenge you if you're going to use this to work a little bit and we can do it together too, to work a little bit on making sure you figure out how to make these asks maybe a little bit more open-ended versus very direct. So I'll do the first one. It's, are you ready to proceed? You could switch that over to, would you like to proceed with option A or option B. So I love that. That's the way you make that one open-ended. I think the big thing with the ones that I have, they're at the point where you're asking for payment. You're asking yeah. for credit card. Like Absolutely. you're at that point. And I also think that they should be customized for what you're doing. So for example, with me, I have clients that come to my office, they view their images, and then I'm in this position, they've seen their pictures. And now we're sitting there and we're like, okay, the next step is to design your wall art. So I will say to them, which type of wall art medium do you feel is the best fit for you? And so that's how we start that question. So we'll be talking yep. about metal or canvas or frame prints. We narrow that down. Okay, which of these images do you think would be best for how you want to use them? And so then we pull the images and then we go like, okay, what size? Where are you going to put it? And we start working through that. So it's kind of like a process we build up to them. And then at some point you have to be able to say, okay, is there anything else that you need to add to this order? How would you like to pay for that? That's where you're exactly. getting at some point. So. Yeah. Right. So the questions that I have here are pretty generic, but the goal is to get the words out of your mouth because a lot of times that's the hardest part, yes. right? We're scared <laughs> to ask for money. Yeah. We're so scared to ask for payment. So the idea is these are to help you get the words out of your mouth to get you started, but you should really practice how this fits for your business how you make it personalized, and then how you're comfortable saying them. And before I read some of these, did you want to add anything? No, I was just looking at some of them, like the, would you like to move forward with this? Yeah. And thinking about, again, you could make this or this or that. And I was also thinking mm -hmm. the fact of asking them, do you want to pay with a credit card or a check is yeah. an open-ended question, right? They have to yeah. make a choice. And at that point, they can make the choice to say, I'm not ready to purchase and walk away. That's yeah. their choice. Or they can say, hmm, I'll put it on a card. Or yeah. here, I have a check. Would you prefer a check? You know, it's anything that gets that conversation. So yeah, roll through these. I, I think they're all great. Yeah. And I think as we go through them, let's talk about ways that they could be modified. So this third one that yeah. we've already done the first two, this third one is based on what we've discussed, I believe this would be a good fit for you. Are you ready to move forward with purchase? How would you modify that one? for your business? So I would say this is where I would pull out my move. I have the perfect opportunity for you because that's really mm -hmm. exactly what this one is. I would just take yeah. out the, are you ready to move forward with a purchase and say, instead, I would say the first step is, and then let them reply to the first step is. Yep. The first step is getting it scheduled or doing the contract. Yeah. So I would change that over to that. But the perfect opportunity, the reason why I like that particular set of language, I have the perfect opportunity for you. If you followed the way I sell things, which is that very conversational, mm -hmm. I'm going to ask a, I'm actually not a salesperson. I'm a sales facilitator. I've taken my facilitation skills and learned how to apply them 
to selling. So if you facilitate that, the person's already been through, you've already been through this whole thing with them about all of the bad ways this is showing up in their life. So you can say, I have the perfect opportunity for you. Here's how it's going to solve these problems. The first step is for us to sign this contract. Yep. And then just assume it, pull out the contract and let them say say no to it. Yeah, that's excellent. I think that's exactly how I would have proceeded with that as well, is just move them right into the next step and then give them the opportunity to say no. The next one I have here is, can I answer any additional questions to help you make a decision? Typically, when I ask a question similar to this, it's what additional questions do you have You know, at this time? And that's typically how I modify that because I do want them to ask any questions. And then a lot of times they will say their questions or they'll say, no, I don't have any questions. I think I'm ready to move forward. And that's when you know you're ready to make the sale. Absolutely. And another way that you could pose this to people is if you feel like if they're really kind of on the fence and not quite ready, you can ask them an open-ended question of what's holding you back? So that way you'll get directly to the objection because if they're going to have an objection, they're going to bring it up at that point. And objections are going to come in three flavors. They come from fear, money, or time. And so if you prepare in advance for being able to overcome those objections for fear, money, and time for whatever it is you're selling, then you are much more likely to be able to motivate that person to go ahead and make that purchase. Overcoming objections is all part of the sales process, y'all. It's not personal. It's not meant to be for you. We all have objections, but that's another way you could utilize that one. And then the last one I have here is I'm excited about what this product or service will do for you, whichever one it is for you. And are you ready to take the next step? And I use this one a lot. I'll say, I'm so excited about you know, your upcoming or or this session idea. I'm so excited about this. And I'll say, so what time of the year were you thinking or what time, what month were you thinking this would be a good fit for you? And that's how I roll that into the scheduling side of things. That's how I personally do it. Yes. And I think that that is fantastic. The only thing I would change about this is Mm -hmm. I would not say, are you ready to take the next step? I do the same thing I would have done earlier to say the first step is, and then just pull it out. Excellent. And then, so those are some ideas on language that you can use. And both Kim and I suggest that you modify this language to make it an open-ended ask, but also that it fits your product or service and that the way you communicate so that it feels natural to you. And the biggest thing you can do is practice getting those words out of your mouth. Say them to someone, say them to yourself in the mirror, whatever you need to do, because you don't want the first time you're saying them to be when you have a client in front of you. You want to be comfortable with the words and they want to feel, you want them to feel natural when they come out of your mouth. And then there are just two other things that I have here. You know, just go back and reminding your client once again about time options and scarcity and just making sure that they understand that. One way that I do this is the viewing and ordering appointment is the time where my clients view and order their products. And there are benefits to doing that at that time. And if it feels like that they are thinking about, oh, maybe they just want to go home and think about it. I have ways that I talk through that and remind them about the negative side of going home and thinking about it first. Like we need to do this while you're here. This is what this appointment is for. And I have done a lot of pre-work to prepare them for that process. 
And then the last thing that I have is regarding follow-up. And I think this one gets forgotten a lot. So just because maybe they didn't say yes, then maybe you weren't able to get a confirmed sale at that point. If you've done your homework, you're going to know if there's someone you should follow up with. You know, if you've done through these three processes, if you've walked through and had that relationship and built that relationship and communicated, you're going to know that there's someone you should follow up with. And follow up is a great way to maybe book that sale down the line, sell that product down the line or book that client down the line. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think we have done an excellent job in motivating people to motivate their customers to buy stuff. Even though we both have been, uh, both of us are a little bit off today. So we hope all of you listening will excuse us for that and that our editors of this podcast will excuse us for that as well. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we're, we're so thankful to have people who are so good at editing that they're able to help us get out the little hitches that we have have along the way. Thank you guys all for tuning in for us this week. And we will be back in two weeks with another episode. And meanwhile, visit with us on social media. Tell us how this is working for you. Feel free to ask us questions. Drop by any of our social places. You can find us at The Business Animal all over the place. And if you're a photographer, make sure you check us out on our other podcast, Cowgirls with Cameras. We'll see you guys next time. And meanwhile, just keep out there selling stuff and motivating those customers. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Business Animal. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you learned something today, leave us a review. To learn more, find us at thebusinessanimal.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep your business well-trained with The Business Animal. <laughs>